My name is Craig Brandt. I'm the uh, Church Council Chair here at SEMC, and I'm glad to be sharing with you this morning. Um, what a great service so far, huh? If you were going to summarize the Bible in one word, what would it be? Love. I, I kind of cheated a little bit, put it in the bulletin. And we are kind of talking about it today. Um, yeah, love. Uh, the Bible is God's love story to us. It is His way of showing His love to us. And what a beautiful thing it is. Did you know that the word love appears in the Bible 310 times in the King James Version? 348 times in the New American Standard? Or a whopping 551 times in the New International Version? That's a lot of love. Now, I'm excited this morning. We're going to discuss probably one of the most well-known passages in the Bible. I'm sure you've read it many times, memorized it, and even quoted it this morning uh, when you were asked. So I'm going to be reading from Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. If you have your Bibles with you, you please uh, join me in doing that. Here we find Jesus uh, getting peppered by the Pharisees and the Sadducees as he is answering many questions. They're trying to trick him, trap him, and get him to maybe say something that is unexpected or to get him in trouble. But Jesus has been ready everywhere and at every turn. Uh, we find ourselves right here, right after he sends the Sadducees, kind of packing with their tail tucked between their legs. And we continue here in verse 34. That's Matthew 22, starting at verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So here we are. Jesus is challenged once again by an expert in the law. The law referring to back when Moses gave the law to the Israelites, uh, back in the Old Testament. Now, I don't think that the Pharisee was very surprised at Jesus' answer, well, at least not at first, as he asked, which is the greatest commandment, and Jesus replied, to love the Lord your God. I'm sure even as he was speaking it, the Pharisee may have even puffed out his chest a little bit and thought, of course, I love the Lord. That's what we do. But then Jesus threw a little bit of a curveball in there and said, no, we're not done yet. Remember, I've loved you. Also love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't just pluck this out of thin air. He also pulled it from the law that was given by Moses. He reached back, and in our Bibles, it's found in Leviticus 19, verse 18, and he says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Why? You might be thinking by this point that just like the Beatles, all you need is love. 
Well, it's not quite that simple. Although love is very important, Jesus is saying here, although you love me, once you figure out how to love, the rest of the law just falls into place. Not just loving God, but also loving your neighbor. You see, God loves us so much, he wrote this Bible for us. He shared his love by sending Jesus to us, dying on the cross. And so as we as Christians now know, it's actually quite easy to reciprocate that love back to God because he loves us so much. Reciprocating that love, though, to our neighbor maybe isn't as easy. So who is our neighbor? God in this passage is not just referring to our neighbor as the person who lives next to us, who might be starting their car at 3 o'clock in the morning and waking up your entire household. Now, no, I'm not speaking from personal experience. I sleep through anything. But my family might be waking up. Um, God's referring to your neighbor as being everyone who you interact with. The person sitting beside you, the person in your household, the person at the mall. Everyone. God's calling us to love one another, love each other. Now, this love of your neighbor starts with you. As he says in the passage, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this portion of Scripture can be taken two ways. One, we can look at ourselves as the selfish beings that we are. You know, the world teaches us, look out for number one. If you only worry about yourself, you'll be just fine. And if we love our neighbors like that, it's amazing how we can then treat them. We can also look at this scripture in another way, to love your neighbor as well as yourself. You see, as we know, if we know God, as it says so earlier in the passage that we should love God first and foremost, then we know that we should be loving ourselves the way God intends for us to love ourselves. And therefore, if we take care of ourselves, we can take care of others as well. As Ron was alluding to earlier, from a mental standpoint, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves um, in a way that if we feed our minds properly, we can then help others as well, knowing the truth. I tell my kids sometimes when they're, you know, watching YouTube or watching TV or something, if you put garbage in, garbage comes out. Inevitably, we begin to quote the things that we put into our lives. Wouldn't it be great to quote scripture instead of quoting maybe some of the television shows or the other things that we find on the internet. Whichever way you look at how we see ourselves, ultimately God is referring to a way that he uh, spoke about earlier in Matthew, chapter 17, verse 12, or sometimes we refer to it as the golden rule. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Now think, sorry, I lost my spot. This passage has two different things that we need to love. We need to love God and we need to love our neighbor, but don't be confused. Both loves in this passage are exactly the same. Both of these passages are referring to agape love or a self-sacrificial love that works for the benefit of the one being loved. You can maybe even look at it as a selfless love. And as I referred to earlier that love starts with you, ultimately it's not about you. Love, loving your neighbor is for their benefit, not for yours. And as I said earlier as well, reciprocating love to God is easy. Reciprocating love to your neighbor might not be because that love may or may not be reciprocated. 
So how can we love our neighbor? I think we've actually done a pretty good job over the last couple of years as a congregation here. I think we're in a pretty good spot um, in having conversations with many of you uh, throughout the time. Has it been easy? No. Has it been frustrating at times? Absolutely. But I don't think it's time for us to give up now. Not time for us to give up loving our neighbors here and our neighbors outside of this building. Now, I know that there is enough material here to speak about for many hours. Could be a sermon series, or maybe we could even look at it as a year theme, loving each other. But today I'm going to paint a very broad brush, looking at some practical ways that we can, and maybe already do, love one another. This isn't an exhaustive list, but maybe it's a slight reminder that we need to continue to love one another as we go through these interesting times. So how do we give love? I think the best place to start is where the law started. You see, God called us to share what we have with our neighbor. Back in the same law times that we referred to earlier as uh, the Pharisee tested Jesus, that same law established a tithe. And that tithe was to be brought to the church so that we could sh- they could share with one another those that did not have would then have. The Levites did not have an allotment or an inheritance of their own. There were foreigners, fatherless, and widows. And the tithe was established that they could take care of those people. And we too can share with one another. As we say every Sunday morning, right, you can bring your money to the church so that we can fulfill the budget that we agree on, which is actually coming up in February. It helps pay the bills, the water, the electrical, the building or the property insurance. It might not be something that's very exciting, but it does allow us to gather together and worship with one another. It helps us to pay our staff. It helps us to support missionaries or run various other programs that we as a church have agreed to do. But money isn't everything that we can share. We can also share in our time, our gifts, and our abilities as we serve one another. Maybe God's calling you to teach Sunday school. Maybe not for the next 10 or 15 years, but maybe start with one year. Maybe he wants you to come and help out at VBS or start a small group. Or maybe he wants you up here to join a worship band or the choir and share your talent that way. I don't know what your gifts and abilities are, but God calls us to share what we have. Maybe you are a great artist and can paint a wonderful picture of what God is showing on your heart. Share that with one another. Maybe you can share your experiences. As Ron shared earlier, his expertise. Maybe we can take the opportunity to mentor one another and share from our experiences. Maybe you're being called to call the office and talk to one of the pastors as we've now had some opportunities to share our testimonies up here in a bit of a more relaxed environment. As Jason's talked to a few people now, I being one of them, It's been a joy to be able to hear from other people's perspectives of what is actually going on in your lives. It's amazing how many people can relate to what maybe you're going through and struggles that are going on. And maybe that will also help them to support you as well. One other more practical way that we can share what we have is through food and other resources. We did a really awesome job at Christmas. I don't know if many of you were able to look out in the atrium as we collected things from our reverse advent calendar or the mitten tree. 
It was beautiful to see the giving that this congregation had. As we move forward, one of the more immediate needs that we have here is our church pantry. We give out things to people that come into the church, and as I talked to the church office this last week, um, that's actually starting to run a little bit low. So if you feel the need to maybe bring some non-perishables to the church, that would be a way that you can share what you have with others around you. One other cool ministry that we do as far as sharing is meals for mothers. I don't know if you've been the recipient of one of these, then you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, maybe you don't know that this is happening. But what we do is when there are new babies born into our congregation, we as a congregation bring meals to them for an entire week. Uh, Being on the receiving end of that has been a real joy and a blessing and love felt from you as a congregation. Other than sharing what we have, we have the ability to speak love into each other's lives. You can merely tell somebody that you love them. The next time you use the words, I love you, you can remember it this way. Love is what brings us closer together. Or maybe look at it this way. Jesus loved us so much that he died on the cross for us, and that love brings us closer to him. So when somebody tells you that Jesus loves you, you can look at it as the love bringing you and Jesus closer together. So when you say I love you to somebody else, you can look at it that way as well. Sometimes speaking love can be simple, as simple as saying hello. I look back um, to a time when Ashley was about two or three years old. We were at the credit union taking out a, a loan, and she was running around like any typical two or three-year-old. And uh, there was this elderly gentleman, his head down, kind of shuffling along, didn't look like he was having a very good day. And Ashley just ran right in front of him and stopped and looked up at him and said, Hello! And then ran around as she kept going. And the man took two or three more steps, stopped, turned around, walked back up to Ashley, handed her a $5 bill, and said, Thank you. You really made my day. And he left with a smile on his face and a bit of a skip in his step. I think sometimes we underestimate how much joy and love we can bring to one another by merely saying hello. We can also speak love into one another's lives by praying for one another. And I'm, I'm very happy and I know that most of us are doing that. But what I want to encourage us to do is to continue to tell the person that you're praying for that you're doing so. I know from personal experience when somebody comes up to me and says, Craig, I'm praying for you. It's like they're coming up to me and giving me a big spiritual hug. I know physical hugs are a little bit frowned upon nowadays, but why not reach out and give somebody a big old spiritual hug? Tell them that I love you by saying that you're praying for them. One other way that we can love one another is merely through our presence. You don't necessarily need to say a word at all. You see, God gave us two ears and one mouth, right? Maybe we need to listen a little more than we speak. Take, for example, when someone is grieving. You might be thinking to yourself, I don't know what to say. Well, maybe you don't need to say anything at all. Maybe by just being present, you can exude your importance to that that person by just being there. Taking the time to be with that person in their time of need. 
Maybe you need to take the time and prioritize going to your kid's hockey game, their dance recital. Or maybe you even need to make the time to be home for supper, to have it with the rest of your family. It's amazing how our presence can speak volumes about the love that we have for one another. Finally, we just need to live love. We need to be an example for one another. We need to recognize that God loves us and that God can love others through us as he shines his light. We just need to be who God wants us to be and that we can love others through that. I remember a time when I was back in college. I worked uh, at the school. And one morning, I woke up. I did not want to get out of bed. But I pulled myself out of bed anyways. I was a bit grumpy. But you know what? I have to get to work. So I got myself ready. I trudged off to work. I didn't really find any joy in what I was doing that morning. But at one point, I found myself on the workbench working on a computer next to a coworker who had worked with me already for about a year. And as I was kind of sighing away, she turned to me and she said, Craig, why are you happy all the time? Well, I had a bit of a wake-up call that, in that exact moment because it must have been the Spirit working through me and shining God's light because I certainly did not feel happy in that moment. But that exact thing that happened gave me an opportunity then and for many times after to have a conversation about hers to exactly what in my life made me happy, and that was God. I don't know where she's at today, but I was very glad that I was able to show love to her through that. Now, you see, love doesn't have to be complicated. I encourage you to talk with your family and your small group or the pastors about different ways that we can continue to love one another. Yeah, it hasn't been easy and it's been tough the last couple of years. But we can remember that we can share what we have with one another. We can speak love to one another. We can be present in each other's lives. And ultimately, we can continue to live love. Live your life with love. Love for God and love for one another. Because when we figure out how to love, the rest just falls into place.